0: Hey everyone, welcome to episode 173 of the MTG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina. We are your hosts, I'm Chris Caster apple with me is Lee McLeod. Hey Lee! Hey Chris! How's it going?
1: Yeah, I'm doing good, Chris. I just, you know, have been focusing a lot this week on actually Legends of Runeterra instead of Magic. I've still been playing Arena, but there's like a tournament for Legends of Runeterra coming up that I'm like pretty much qualified for, so I am... Kind of looking forward to that this last week.
0: Nice. Well, let me know if you make it
1: and then how you do. Oh, I, If I make it, I'll... Because basically, if you qualify, you're... The way this works is it's kind of like arenas where you have a ten round of 1024, and then mm-hmm. you play that tournament that goes to the top 32, and you basically have to five o because that's how Swiss math works. Mm-hmm. Or otherwise, you're just not in it. And then among that player pod of like 32 people... Uh, first place is just ten grand, so if I you know make it to that stage, I'll let you know <laughs> instantly. Okay,
0: <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah, it's been a little while since I played Legends of Runeterra. I I mean the game is pretty cool, and the free to play model is like exceptionally generous. So like, there's a lot to like about that game, but I just have not have not kept up with it very much. I I
1: just took it more seriously. It's like one of the only games I played on my phone. And mm-hmm. I just really like it. It reminds me a lot of playing Limited because it's really combat trick oriented and like sequencing stuff. Right. Well, it's like combat tricks and Constructed in Magic. You just can't play at all because they're so bad. Like they don't compete mm-hmm. with all the other stuff that's been printed for Constructed. But in this game, they're really good because they basically all have split second. So there's a lot of interplay between like playing around and playing with the combat tricks. It's like really, really harkens to Limited.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's a cool game for sure. I have been mostly focused on dealing with uh, closing on my house, and then also playing Adult Doom things. Eternal. Come on, no, but I've also <laughs> been playing Doom Eternal because that was on st- on sale during the Steam sale, so you know, had to had to get that in. But. Today, we are going to be talking through the lists that have been posted thus far for the Zendikar Rising Championship. Just do a little preview of the standard and historic decks that people are going to be playing uh, this weekend. So, you know, we don't have all the lists or anything. We just have kind of the ones that have trickled in from people posting them on Twitter. And I grabbed a bunch of them, but I'm sure more have been posted since then. So I'm just going to like pull up that hashtag and kind of scroll through as well but yeah we're
1: basically recording this on tuesday the first mm-hmm. and the deck lists don't really drop until friday or thursday we're, we're not actually sure but one of the yeah. one, right before the tournament basically
0: right right so you know we're just going to talk through what we have and try to make sure to hit all the major archetypes at least the like major versions of the major archetypes and probably going to spend a little more time on standard because it's a little more interesting to us right now and we've talked about historic a lot over the past couple of episodes yeah yeah cool you want to start with standard yeah why don't we just start with standard okay so i know
1: the first couple of lists we have
0: listed here are mirror control uh, yeah so we should talk about just like the existence of this deck because this is a deck that was kind of surprising to me that it started popping up and gaining so much popularity so quickly like at the a couple of weeks ago like these the Demir control decks were just completely unplayable
1: yeah and they were really different because the the first time I saw this style of Demir control which is like a gorion 80 card pile Demir control deck
0: Uh, Well, i think we have examples of both here right because i have a version of so so kowalski's is the yorian version yeah and then we have risers uh shintaro ishimura's list that and that is a more you know focused 60 card deck with a lot of the same cards including a lochmir serpent but it is not a yorian deck okay so most like the vast majority of the time i play against this deck on ladder it's a
1: yorian Mm -hmm. version as opposed Mm -hmm. to the 60 card version so i guess it's more on my mind but basically i saw this blue black control deck the yorian version uh, about two weeks ago while we were talking about i think legacy at the time historic and we wish like i hadn't had a chance to talk about standard for a while so this blue black deck is kind of flying by our radar and i noticed it two weeks ago and i was just like i wanted to craft it in NTG arena but i didn't have like random wild cards from i don't know what i was missing but it was too much to like invest so i'm just like uh, i'm not gonna worry about it i'm not sure if this deck is even going to be playable in a week because it's a control deck <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and then Last week you told me you kept seeing it everywhere and you were gonna try it out. Like how did that go?
0: It's fine. like I I played several matches with it. I so my understanding of it is that it exists to beat the decks that are built to beat gruel. like, you know, removal spell heavy decks like yorian decks that are specifically targeted towards gruel you know you you see that because these are all like any version that you see of it whether it's a yorian version or not you know kowalski's list which is a yorian version just has four neutralizes main deck like they are really counter spell heavy and ready to fight the like bigger decks that are uh, I, my understanding is trying to beat the gruel decks and it certainly seems okay against that sort of thing. I felt advantaged versus other Yorion decks that weren't doing the same thing, definitely. Uh, I played against rogues, and like you had tools, certainly. Like the this list has Elspeth Nightmare's main deck, it has Cling to Dust's main deck. Like you certainly have like tools against rogues, but you're often just like trading cards, and then they're just like, I have into the story, and you don't have anything that's like close to this card, and you know
1: that's honestly how it felt like when I was playing mono green food against them these people on ladder, because uh, mm-hmm. they just seemed like they couldn't beat resolved trail of crumbs like it was Ugin or bust,
0: right? And and you know like so if we look at Ishimura's list, like this is not the Ugin version of the deck, and actually just has no answer at all to either resolve Trail of Crumbs or just Trail of Crumbs on the play, because you just can't ever stop that. I, I think, like, the Yorian version is a little better suited to that, because that's a Solemn Simulacrum Ugin deck, and so getting out Ugin in a timely way is a reasonable way to beat the food deck. The, the like xerath son. i mean I, I don't think that that yishimura's version of the deck is like a very commonly played one this is a deck that has four Thassa's interventions two rewinds uh three xerath sans and like three brazen borrowers and it's trying to like tempo and punk them out with flash stuff really more than anything else and that's that's pretty different from like the heavy controlling like four maze Mind tome Yorion, some ramping with solemn into ugin plan like that's that's a really different deck but they the existence of both of these decks is an acknowledgement like hey you know cancels are maybe a little better than they were a couple of weeks ago i guess
1: yeah uh, (laughs) issue where list is really neat neat too because it's got two rewinds to help with the flash stuff so he's really Mm -hmm. just trying to play this like turn the corner quick tempo game out of his control deck which is kind of cool
0: it is doing a lot of things that have seemed bad in various iterations of this standard and you know i guess like a lot of the xerath sons in this deck are probably just like end of turn flash it in for full cost untap with it attack with it after like just countering or killing everything which is kind of neat but like the thing that i felt playing the other version of this deck is basically like your stuff has to line up because your only way to like hit a slam a hammer down is ugin which costs eight mana and even with solemn's in your deck like that's not easy to hit so your answers have to line up really well because your card advantage is clunky like you don't have into the story you don't have just an easy you don't have like a good planeswalker to just be like yep traded 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 here's a planeswalker like i'll get you like you have ashiok and that's not a really a control card ashiok
1: is underwhelming the best like card advantage card in the deck is yorion
0: other than straight up Puken. and and maze mind tone
1: so yeah, yeah. maze mind but like open of the sea cling to dust even maze mind tone to some extent they're all like one card at a time pay a bunch of mana mm-hmm. for it and right. that's too slow a lot of the time against these creature decks where you can't invest mana into drawing like three
0: cards over three turns right, right. and and Kowalski's list really acknowledges that and he's just straight up playing four extinction events main deck which I think you have to in that version of the deck it was like the card I wanted to draw all the time so definitely a really smart and good inclusion it, it really feels like a full sweeper in this format like you're just able to leverage it properly and get lots of value from it the adventure
1: creatures especially help with that because they're almost all odds. Right, now, which is why the Teamer Adventures deck is just a ramp deck now. <laughs>
0: just a ramp deck playing Obosh the Prey Piercer, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Demir Control has gotten really popular. It may be a fine choice for this weekend. I am still kind like your stuff just has to line up. You know, I was I played a match against the Teamer Adventures slash Genesis Ultimatum Terror of the Peaks deck, and I just you know I still had two negates in my deck after board because it's an 80 card deck and you do want to draw one to cover the ultimatum but i drew two and i lost because you can't draw two and it's just like those are the margins that you have to be operating on and like you you draw like one wrong card and all of a sudden you're you're in this hole because the answers are pretty narrow and pretty specific in order to be cost efficient and there's not a catch-all you don't get to just trade slightly inefficiently and then slam teferi hero of dominaria and be like this makes up for everything like you don't have that at all
1: yeah and the decks in this format are a little too punishing they either they either kill you very quickly like gruel or mm-hmm. they'll just push you out of the game like rogues like you if you mess up against rogues you miss sequence and they land it into the story and untap that game's over you're not yeah. really going to recover from that. You have to make sure that doesn't happen, and sometimes you just draw way too many removal spells.
0: Right. The only reason that I beat rogues is because I was able to squeeze through an Ashiok, and I think they misevaluated it, and then I ulted it to get it into the story and two removal spells. And it's just like this probably wouldn't have happened if my opponent had really like paid attention to what was going on. They spent a combat instead of keeping my Ashiok from ultimating. They tried to lethal me, but I had a you know I had all my mana up, and all it took was a Brazen Borrower to make that combat like not good for them. And if they had just gotten any damage through on the Ashiok, I don't think I could have won that game. Yeah,
1: I I, I kind of see why. It, I know people are playing it a lot, and I can see why people would register it. I don't think it's a bad deck by any means because it's it's is really strong when it gets going, and it does punish other people's missteps by kind of like the Rogue's deck does, when you get those cards every turn, mm-hmm. you can just bury your lead, right? You eventually will get to Ugin. That's just how this deck is designed to operate. I'm talking more of the 80-card version, because that's the version I see everywhere.
0: Not so much as humorous, yeah, yeah. which is really spicy, but unusual. Yeah, I mean, that's taking a totally different tack. That is acknowledging, like, we're not going to be able to keep all the stuff under control, so we need Zarathon to kill them like get something really nasty out of their graveyard and then snowball from that advantage because without yorian we're not going to be able to keep up and we just don't want to try to answer every single thing especially in a trail of crumbs heavy format uh the other route to go with that is like we'll try to answer everything and then make up for it with ugin but i mean ugin is no teferi hero of dominaria
1: one of the things i run into ugin all the time is that I will get to it stabilized perfectly, except for my opponent with the Great Henge in play. And then they play, like, four cards, and they still have four cards in their hand because of the Great Henge. <laughs> and my Ugin just dies the next turn. And I, like, I have to minus Ugin again, but, like, it dies, and then they still have the Great Henge. It's, and the Great Henge is a really common card in this format.
0: Yeah, I mean, this deck is okay against the Great Henge because you are reasonable at making sure they never untap with a five-power creature. You know? So but that certainly is a thing that can happen like that is a risk for sure like sometimes they just will and they'll slam a great henge and you'll just be done
1: i do like the addition of crawling variants in this deck a lot though i think it's a deck that utilizes it very very well
0: yeah especially like the ishimura version where you have a lot of brazen borrowers and zarasans, and you can you know hit them a couple of times and that will be enough to close out the game
1: i can just imagine the sequence of after you've hit them a couple times and they've dealt with your rogues you kill two of their creatures on instep then untap and kill it with crawling barons (laughs) you've been activating throughout the game
0: yeah the other like major deck that has popped up and and been become a part of standard in in the past couple of weeks is monogreen food has seen like a pretty real resurgence
1: yeah a huge resurgence it Again, that two-week time period, that's kind of when Mono Green Food kind of popped up, and it's just been, like, mm. heavily refined since we've seen it.
0: Yeah. you want to talk about the uh, adaptations that it's made?
1: Basically, it's now playing a bunch more witches Ovens, as well as Tangled mm-hmm. to uh, they, they both do different things, so it's kind of weird to lump them together. But basically, if Tangled Florichedron along with Gilded Goose lets you get your engine and man advantage online earlier so you can play early love struck beasts i'm sorry not love struck beast wicked wolf i mean you can play love struck beast too it's not that bad to go turn two floor hedron and then turn four hearts desire beast uh allowing you to turn set up... turn three hearts desire beast yeah, yeah turn three hearts desire beast, allowing you to set up like the turn four great hinge so much earlier mm-hmm. uh, but witch's oven i think is there's three in cedric's list that i'm looking at that is the card that is infuriating me the most playing against this deck, because mm-hmm. it's just become so much harder to deal with the premier food threats in the deck, which are Feasting Troll King and Wicked Wolf.
0: Yeah, and these are four Feasting Troll King decks. Yeah. Like, they're really trying to draw that card and play it. And you can't deal with Troll King if there's a Witch's Oven on the table. You just can't. No,
1: Ugin is was the trump to all the like, Monogreen food decks before, because Troll King would just get wiped out along with everything else. Which is when just completely stops that, and it comes right back and attacks Uga, and it's not fun. <laughs> yeah. And all the while, yeah. using the Trail of Crumbs with the uh, Feasting Troll King is a really strong right. interaction. I've seen people just sacrifice their Troll King to the oven in order to bring it back to get more digs at um, Trail of Crumbs.
0: Yeah, and this is why I just don't... I can't imagine... That the Demir deck is a good choice for this weekend. This matchup just seems so hard.
1: I've never lost it playing the Food deck. I don't think it's insurmountable, but it's it's pretty advantaged as long as you find like any early engine. They have a hard time dealing with Witch's Oven, like the card. Mm-hmm. So any Wicked yeah. Wolf you draw, that's why they're playing like a bunch of Extinction events now, and any feasting Troll mm-hmm. King. It just becomes so impossible for them to deal with all the while trail of crumbs is actually impossible for them to deal with and they don't right. present at fast clock.
0: yeah weirdly enough like i've had some weird different decks that i've played i I've developed very weird sideboard strategies for this deck like this is a matchup where you bring in duress and extinction event like there are not very many of those matchups
1: <laughs> and i'm pretty happy when i duress them and see like a witch's oven
0: I'm-, I'm happy you know yeah, yeah, you, you want to get that gone because that turns off your extinction events in a lot of ways. And they always have one Kogla the Titan ape. Just like every single list of this I've ever seen has a one of Kogla the Titan ape in it.
1: Yeah, I have no idea why. I I, I played it for a little bit, it just never did anything. Like it, it was cute, like if you could uh, grow it up to an eight seven with the Great Henge play and fight something, and then you could attack and kill their Great Henge, but it never attacked. It just always died to Wicked Wolf or they conceded.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't... I don't know. It's cute and sometimes... Like, definitely games where you're like kind of ahead and then it comes down and fights something. Like, it feels really good, but most things would be fine there. Cedric's
1: deck isn't playing any Koglos.
0: That's good. I think that's smart.
1: And... Every... Yeah, neither is Mitch socks. Okay. So it's not ubiquitous. Right. So mitch is I only mean, playing think... three trail of crumbs which is a little worrying
0: Ooh, that's yeah i think that it's the reason to play this deck is that it's a good trail of crumbs deck and you play this deck because you think trail of crumbs is good and if it's not good enough to play four then you probably want to be questioning your deck choice at that point yeah i, I think so this is
1: kind of the premier, I don't want to say card advantage deck, because that kind of feels like rogues still at the end of the story, but this deck generates so much cardboard while having a good battlefield presence. It's just the yeah. best deck in the format of doing both of those things.
0: Right. It It's the one that most feels like this era of magic where just, like, everything draws a card and puts something on the board at the same time. Well, it does play the most Throne of Eldrian cards, so... Right. So that's what you get when you sign up for that.
1: You also play Bonders Enclave, Enclave, uh, the land enclave, yeah. that you can
0: draw cards if yeah. you have a big
1: creature in play. Mm-hmm. Uh, that draws cards every once in a while. Mostly, it just annoys me that I've drawn too many colorless lands. <laughs>
0: <laughs> There's only you know like four ish in this list that I'm looking at. That's not terrible. Yeah, I was playing
1: five for a long time, but four is probably much more reasonable.
0: Yeah, Are you Feeding Troll King costs quad green, so you really want to keep your odds of drawing more than two colorless lands to, an, to a minimum.
1: Yeah, and Castle of does help a lot with casting Troll King.
0: Ooh, that's true, that's true. Um, so yeah, Modern green Food probably going to end up being the most heavily played deck in this tournament, I would think. It's definitely the one that has popped up the most that I've seen uh, from people's posts of what they registered. So it seems to me to be the most popular thing.
1: Yeah, it's a little surprising, because I thought Gruul would be the most popular deck. It's the most popular deck in tournaments, generally. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's still
0: really good. Do you just want to talk about Gruul while I'm, like, going into it, I guess? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I think it has been targeted a lot, and particularly at higher levels of play. Everybody has a plan versus Gruul at this point. Well, yeah, you have to. It's the premier Embercleave deck. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like, it did pretty medium the past couple of weekends. Mm-hmm and that is a tough place to be when you're picking a deck to go play in a what is now the replacement for pro tours like you don't really love picking the aggro deck that was the best deck three three ish weeks ago and then people targeted it enough to not make it as good anymore like well it's it's clear that it's vulnerable it's clear that people know how to beat it you are just hoping that people are choosing not to beat it this weekend
1: yeah, and I think that's kind of where I was at, expecting people to play it, because Gruul was good three weeks ago, and then it's mm-hmm. been targeted steadily, like, in the past two weeks. But now people are targeting the other decks that those decks are, like, trying to play on Gruul upon. Right. Which means that Gruul can probably come back and just steal some of that metagame share.
0: Sure. Yeah, I mean, if you are making your Demir deck and having, like, you know, a demire deck with a lot of neutralizes and stuff in it, and a couple of main deck negates. Like you have games where you're just like, "I hope my opponent isn't playing Gruel because this hand is never going to beat them." And they go turn two, brushfire elemental, and you didn't beat them. <laughs> yep. Nope. <laughs> so yeah, you certainly can get match wins with Gruul, for sure. Um, I only saw a couple lists of this wow. registered so far. There are. I was looking at. Uh, Aspiring spikes list
1: of gruel. He has so many relic robbers in the sideboard, and that's the first time I've seen this card in a sideboard. (laughs) Do you know anything about that?
0: Jeez, it's gotta be for. I mean, this only makes sense to me for against like removal heavy and in particular like sweeper heavy decks. Like this is really good against extinction event decks that are going to play a really long game. Uh, Relic Robber. For those of you who don't know the text of it, it's a it's a three a, mana
1: two two with haste, and when it yep. hits them, they make an 0-1 artifact creature token because it is a creature uh, that deals a damage to you during your upkeep. It makes for your opponent.
0: Yeah, so I think like this has to be a really good card against like extinction event Ugin type decks. Like Ugin doesn't wipe that treasure out, and if you're winning with Ugin, like you're taking several more turns. Like you get a hit in with a relic robber against a demir deck, and they're taking a lot of damage off of that construct.
1: Yeah, it is a. I wonder. Yeah, I do usually play even on extinction event, or excuse me, odd on extinction event because of mm-hmm. the adventure creatures like bone crusher, lumberjack, edge keeper Kazandi. Right. Like, there's just so many evens in the deck. and the token is odd, so it does stick around. That's kind of neat. But the token. Or the token's The token even, is yeah even yeah so naming odd means that you're talking to stick around
0: right well and so i mean like you can relic robber and then if the extinction event like they kill the relic robber but leave the constructor you know it, it it creates two different cmcs so that's pretty cool um and the construct also is colorless so it doesn't die to ugin minus so you at least get an extra turn out of it before they bolt it or whatever and if you ever get like two you know that's clearly very very good
1: yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't seen it in play before. It seems a little underpowered to me, to be honest. Yeah. But I don't know, maybe Mr. Spike knows something we don't.
0: I think it's just like being your rabble master, and we don't have Legion War boss or rabble master anymore, so this is like the closest approximation we can get. Okay. It looks like in his in the comments to the post, Spike Spike has said that uh, relic robber is really good against Esper Doom and the other control decks in the format.
1: Okay, sure. So. That makes sense against Doom foretold because that's a deck that really does beat up on Grule, and I mm-hmm. mean, kind of like a haymaker card that's difficult for them to deal with is pretty nice. Yeah, yeah. I wish this card had three
0: power though, so you couldn't get it with Elspeth's nightmare. Would be a good card with three power. You Make it a three-one. Would be a good card at three-one. Okay. The nightmare Nightmares, you can't leave a whole bunch in post-board against Garol anyways. fair. Anyways. Yeah. So it really, only kind of like Innkeeper huge... and Elementals. Right. So, I, I don't mind having like two-ish copies in, but you never want to draw multiples. So, but, you know, it, it is nice when you, in particular on the play, when you can slam it, get their two-drop, and then clear Ember Cleaves out of their hand. On the draw, you often just don't have time to cast it at all. So, I kind of like to take them all out on the draw. Makes
1: sense. Yeah. Huh. So is this the only person we've seen submit bit
0: That's the only one that I saw when I was looking through. But more people have posted their lists since then. I'm sure. If you just click the hashtag, then yeah. And then sort by latest because otherwise you'll get like two day old tweets because they have eighty likes. I'm just running
1: through. I'm, I'm just scrolling through Twitter for pictures and I don't really see anyone else playing
0: Gruul. No, I'm, I, I've gotten to just, like, the list that I saw before, and I, I don't believe that I'm seeing, like, any growth, But, you know, only a very small percentage of the people in the tournament put their lists up on Twitter, so. We're, we're not operating with a very good picture of the metagame. We need
1: more people to be concerned with clout.
0: Yeah. That... Or, we need fewer people to be concerned with clout. Really depends on what our goals are here, I think.
1: Uh, for posting deck lists?
0: Uh, probably yeah more. for deckless posting in particular <laughs> yeah that that is the one place where it would be nice for
1: general societal well-being probably less
0: maybe a little less cloud chasing all right other archetypes so we should probably talk about uh the teamer ramp slash adventures deck which is pretty much like now i mean it has Obash as a companion now but it's pretty much like most of the cards from the uh omnath deck at the very beginning of the pre-ban you know of the format pre-ban uh and now it's just like yeah i mean all this all this stuff is still pretty good Ultimatum's still good adventure creatures are still good and we just play terror of the peaks and we're playing like a mid-rangey creature deck that sometimes casts seven drops that deal 20 plus damage or
1: like draw five cards or put two of them on the battlefield it's it's a really nice deck i've actually been playing it a bunch i really like mm-hmm. it
0: yeah, it's powerful and it's tough to play against.
1: Yeah, it just attacks from not really that many angles, but it does it effectively. Because of the yeah, just it... inherent advantage in adventure creatures.
0: Right, right. Like you play this mid-rangey creature game that is hard to shut down. It's hard to attack it with creatures because this is a four bone crusher giant, four lovestruck beast deck, which is really good against mono red or gruel. And Against other decks, like you're an Edgewall Innkeeper deck, and that's really good against a lot of stuff too. And if they shut down your creatures enough, like in the place of playing a planeswalker, you're playing a seven drop that gets you're playing Genesis Ultimatum and you can kill them with Terror of the Peaks and Bone Crusher Giants and stuff that you get off of that.
1: Yeah, my favorite thing about the deck is that there are some Ugans in the sideboard occasionally. So you mm-hmm. just decompanion your Obosh to play Ugans, <laughs> and it's nice. <laughs> you have the best of both yeah, worlds.
0: That- the Obosh is there pretty incidentally, although because you still are casting Fertile Footsteps, like you are mana heavy enough that, you know, you, you put the Obosh into play pre combat when you're attacking with one or two creatures a, a reasonable amount of the time.
1: Yeah, it also I've had games where I have a terror speaks in play and a bunch of mana, and you just mm-hmm. need a creature. So you can get Obosh in your hand and play it and it does double damage. Cause Terror mm. it, it pumps up terror's triggered ability.
0: Yeah, that's true. That is pretty sweet vivian as well you have the combo of minusing vivian cast beanstalk giant get uh terror of the peaks beanstalk giant kills them yeah
1: it's a nice combo one of the old ones from the the other ramp deck this is kind of the same it's followed in its footsteps it's the spiritual successor
0: yeah so this is kind of the best just creaturey mid range thing that you can be. Doing. I mean, I guess Mono Green Food is also a creaturey mid range thing as well. That is quite good. So I, we're I just...
1: think Mono Green Food is a a deck that really values going long and having boards that are very difficult to attack, mm-hmm. and that's where it excels. Whereas the Teamer Adventures deck, the Chamber Obosh deck, it does it can't play it can play long games, but it doesn't really want to. It just wants to play like high end threats. Earlier on curve and then kill them with it really quickly, like convert it to a really easy kill,
0: because mm-hmm.
1: uh, it doesn't have like the Trail of Crumbs engine or the Great Hand or stuff like that.
0: Right. You only have as an engine Edge innkeeper and if you don't draw it or that gets dealt with, then I mean your engine is also that a lot of your spells are two spells, but that only goes so far.
1: Yeah, it's it can't keep up with Modern Green Food once it gets going. Like you, you're not going to be able to outpace the Great Henge, unless you're Terror of the peaks and killing them.
0: Yeah, right, right. And your weapon isn't outvalue you. It is you only have this many life points and I can deal that much damage. Yeah, without
1: attacking, which is, I think, one of the deck's strongest suits. Right, right.
0: Yeah, so I've been impressed by this deck, certainly. I mean, it just continues to be a powerful core, although playing it a little bit, you really do kind of feel like Man, I just never get an opening hand with Lucky Clover and Beanstalk Giants in it. This sucks.
1: Beanstalk? Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. (laughs) I mean, we've been playing adventure cards ever since Throne of Eldraine came out. Ever since Oko was banned, honestly. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's just evolved, you know? They banned half the cards you used to could play once upon a time. Not there anymore, either.
0: (laughs) Yeah, honestly, actually, I bet if we had figured things out in the oko era like adventures with oko in it would have been able to keep up just fine with the other oko decks yeah because
1: you never want to you actually plus one their artifact just gives them another creature
0: <laughs> right not on their two drop yeah, exactly. like that that that's that wouldn't be good yeah it, like you, you just get your oko like attacked and stomped and then you're behind
1: it always felt pretty bad to in modern in the oko mirrors it felt pretty bad to like elk their emery when you played your oko but I mean, mm-hmm. you kinda had yeah. to do it because Emory was so powerful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That was the line that like you know the Grixis Shadow decks were like trying to set up with various levels of success. It was like force you to elk my death shadow so that I can then play the royal scions and kill your Oko, and then then I probably do win from there. But then sometimes you draw the royal scions when you don't really have anything going on and it doesn't do anything
1: it was way better to just play another oko deck
0: yeah that's that's pretty true yeah can definitely recommend team or obosh if nothing else it is fun to play and it does a really good job of making your opponent have the wrong answers in their hand because they need totally different ones at different points in the game yeah it's it's a really effective deck i've,
1: I've been having a blast with it it's Almost all I played on ladder. I did play Mono Green Food as well. But yeah. I honestly haven't played any other decks. I've just been playing Mono Green Food and Team Bosh
0: If you like playing mid-range creature stuff, like there this is a solid metagame for you. I, I don't I just like playing Genesis Ultimatum. <laughs> <laughs> I I appreciate that you can play it in a deck that just has like all real spells. Otherwise, yeah. Like you're not playing cultivate into it like you're just you're actually getting on board yeah it's
1: such a pain when you cast genesis Ultimate in the old ramp decks and you saw like two lands that cultivate a beanstalk giant and a lotus cobra and you're like okay here's a 10 10 and a 2 1 <laughs> i've got these lands
0: because right. here your fail case is like land land bone crusher giant like edgewall innkeeper love struck beasts and it's like well, all right. That's ten power on the board. Yeah, or and you, if I draw anything, and if you have
1: enough mana, like you can put some of them in your hand to cast them to get the Echelon Keeper trigger.
0: Yeah, yeah, and the adventure, and the adventure. Yeah, I put this on the list because I do want to acknowledge that like Rogues is still a real deck and it's still good, and it's been dropping off a little. But like, if Demir is going to be good, I, I would have just rather play. Rogues, I think. Yeah,
1: I think largely that may be true, but uh, according to the data, like the uh, MTG data posted, the rogue's mm-hmm. deck is just slightly worse than the Demir control deck overall.
0: Yeah, uh,
1: but Demir does crush the the teamer, the teamer piles that people are playing because it's the Rogues is actually one of those decks that can attack on all those angles. <laughs>
0: Right, and it's a deck that Lovestruck Beast is, like, actively pretty bad against, and that's really important, I think. There aren't very many decks that Lovestruck Beast is just bad against, but it's really hard to start attacking with Lovestruck Beast against rogues, and it certainly never blocks, so...
1: Has anyone posted a rogues list? I don't think we have one. I haven't
0: seen. No. It, yeah. And So I just put this on the list because I want to acknowledge that like it still exists and still is powerful. And like, yeah, last weekend it had a below 50% overall win rate. But I, I think, you know, if people really are adapting their decks to be like anti-gruel decks and, you know, Demir Control certainly has tools against Demir Rogues but I I think that you probably should be generally advantaged against a deck with a bunch of cancels in it if you build your deck properly for that.
1: I I will say I know that Ben Stark posted rogues as the historic
0: deck he was playing. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. it's just Thoughtseizes and the rogues deck. Yeah, I think that's all
1: the the change try, right? It's just Thoughtseizes and maybe some dual lands.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's a bad plan. Don't do that. Uro is legal in historic. Like, you just can't function in an Uro meta game with this deck. It's just not possible. But
1: the Graph Taker's Cage. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, exciting. <laughs> really exciting stuff. I-, I have played against rogues like two or three times in historic. And each time, like, my opponent has, like, thought seized me and then played a Soaring Thought Thief, and I've been like, dang, I didn't think that, like, you could do that in Historic. Like, this seems really powerful. That's interesting. And then I, like, remembered that I had Uros in my deck, and then I was like, okay, well, I'm just safe. Oh, never mind. And I just made an Uro on turn four, and then they died.
1: Well, yeah. Luckily, in Standard, not an issue.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No. So... But yeah, like this deck didn't have a winning weekend last weekend in Standard, and while I think that is not necessarily reflective of what the deck can do, it does mean that the power level isn't so like distortingly high that you can be playing it in Historic. Yeah,
1: that's a good takeaway for specifically Ben-Asset, no one else.
0: <laughs> a couple people, because I have played against this deck multiple times on Historic Ladder, so I would encourage people to stop doing that. Until Uro gets banned in that format, then it might be good. Yeah, hope oh, until
1: Uro gets banned. Not if Uro gets banned. I like I like how you think.
0: I mean, I think it should at some point. I think it makes the metagame a lot worse. But first, the first things on the chopping block to me in that format would be, uh, Muxus and. I mean, people are going to be mad, but like Thoughtseize has no place in that format.
1: I mean, I think that. If Uro is the best card in your format, you've, like, curtailed your format to an acceptable, reasonable place, and then you should ban Uro.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah the, the Necro argument?
1: Yeah, essentially. Yeah. For people who are ancient.
0: Like me. Yeah. Although I was not playing during Ice Age standard or Urza standard, but that was the, uh, like, after after combo winter, The the goal was, like, ban everything until Necro is good. Because the combos were so powerful that Necropotence wasn't good. And so the the mantra was ban everything until Necro is good and then ban Necro.
1: And that's how I feel about Uro. Like, mm-hmm. I think Uro is... So, imagine Pioneer, when all the combo decks made Uro terrible. That was obviously bad format. And now is kind of like on the up and up. And mm-hmm. we can... Once people play Pioneer and realize is busted, other than Logan Nettles, We can ban Uro, you know? And just continue down the line of formats. modern. Mystic Sanctuary and Uro. Historic. Get Uro out of there. And, you know, we'll just keep going until Uro is the best thing. And then we'll get rid of Uro and try to have a, like, reasonable game.
0: Yeah. Um, Other decks that exist. uh, I would be surprised if I saw... If we see very much Rakdos midrange. It... I mean, looking at this metagame chart it just does not have any favorable matchups except for exactly rogues
1: yep i don't think anyone's gonna roll up with rakdos range.
0: yeah It, it does not seem like a good choice which is a thing that makes me you know that on its own inches rogues closer to playability since i just don't think that rakdos is is playable at all but i i just can't can't encourage people to play Crookso right now in standard. If
1: one person shows up to the Rising Champs with Rockdos, I will actually be pretty surprised.
0: It's. I mean, it's a largish tournament,
1: so. I mean, it's it's kind of like a Ken deck, right? Where he just shows up with something random and hopes to get people with it. Mm-hmm. And
0: hey, I don't even think he'll show up with Rockdos. <laughs> right. Like I don't know who you're getting with Rockdos. Right like what's what's the call like it beats it's a relatively like powerful assemblage of cards so it beats like random stuff but the you know pillars of the format being like trail of crumbs and like skyclave apparition like that that's kind of rough
1: yeah, I, we're, we're not going to see roctus there there are like uh, a couple doomfortold decks yeah <laughs> milling about
0: a couple of different ones yeah i appreciate it so michael bonday registered um mardu doom foretold which is red for omen of the forge and one main deck ruinous ultimatum it's a double red card or is that the triple red one it's a double red one okay
1: yeah all right mostly just white black with omen of the forge which i think is a really strong card in that deck so seems <laughs> fine yeah
0: I, I think the Omen of the Forge... I mean, it's not quite a one-for-one replacement because it is a two where Oath of Kaya was a three, but it's like a pretty clear indication of how badly these decks miss having Oath of Kaya. Uh,
1: yeah, it's yeah, it's not a one-for-one because if you had a two, like Trial of Ambition or mm-hmm. Pioneer Doomfortold decks, I played one, was really big for it because having a two-drop that did something was huge yeah. and omen True. of the forge is that two drop like unlike omen of the sea which does like it, it gets you closer to stuff but it doesn't do anything mm-hmm. omen of the forge being able to answer an early threat making it good on the draw is actually huge for the deck.
0: yeah i mean it's a it sometimes is a thing that does something sometimes their only threats are two soaring thought thieves and you have <laughs> omen of the forge in hand
1: i mean you're playing doom foretold against rogues though that's pretty rough
0: yeah, it is pretty rough. But you've made it that much rougher on yourself.
1: <laughs> true.
0: Like, holding the Omen in that matchup is fine because they're going to play Lurus eventually if you manage to contain their other stuff. So, like, it's not like it's not going to do anything. It kills
1: Thieves Guild Enforcer. Like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Thieves Guild Enforcer is pretty good.
0: Yeah, Thieves Guild Enforcer is pretty good. That is true. I often don't love Yorion in non-Omen of the Sea decks. It it really feels like you just lack a little bit of oomph, in particular when you're running all these main deck Yorians. Like, yeah, you have a bunch of like blinkable stuff, but you had to run, you know, Bondi's running four Treacherous Blessings in the deck, and you don't need to run four Treacherous Blessings when you have Omen of the Sea in your deck, picking up some of the slack and being a really good blink target. Uh, missing out on that the way that you do with Mardu Told, I think is the biggest cost to running these colors. I
1: agree, but I don't think it's that bad, because in my experience, Yorion blinking like a couple Omen of the Seas is fine, but not great. The best things that I've ever blinked with Yorion are Skyfly Vaporation and Elspeth spec Death, which are both mm-hmm. in this deck list because they're just white cards.
0: Yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, it, it definitely has the power, but the smoothing of Omen of the Sea, especially like in an 80-card deck where you want to draw Doomfortold more than anything else a lot of the time, like... I have felt that it's really important, but but certainly a lot of powerful cards in this list. Like Maze Mind Tome, huh? Maze Mind Tome's good. Yeah. I like Maze Mind Tome. I do too.
1: Get your scrys in, actually get towards your Doom Foretold. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, in my case, forget to put a stop every time on my upkeep and just go right oh, past yeah. it.
0: Absolutely. Like, every time. Or, scry... Like finish scrying and then realize like oh shoot I have to put a stop on my upkeep and then it's just like it's too gone late yeah you just can't. Yeah. <laughs> so I have rescued it a fair number of times when I've scried, seen the top card, and been like, "Well, I'm gonna bottom this, so I'm definitely gonna need to scry again." Let's go to battlefield, put that stop on.
1: Yeah, arena the can most, be cruel sometimes.
0: The most infuriating thing is when you click that too late. So, but you manage to click it. So you go right through your upkeep. Oh, and it stops your opponent. But the stop is still there. It stops on your it's Like, it's taunting you yeah. for, for missing it. Like, remember when you screwed that up? Like, here's a reminder.
1: Yeah, or like when you set a stop and then your opponent kills you and then it goes to that. It stops you on the next game.
0: <laughs> oh, God, yeah. <laughs> the, maintaining the one-time stop th- into the next game. Because you can't set an upkeep stop permanently. So why does it save it to the next game like why would you ever want that it's not like you set like i'd like to stop on up my upkeep all the time it's just like you probably want this turn zero right that's what you, that's when you want it
1: why am i stopping on my opponent's instep <laughs> oh that's we just didn't get that far in the last game <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: that in the thoughtsies bug are two of the really annoying things about arena right now for me
0: oh god yeah thoughtsies bug I hope they fix that before the Pro Tour this weekend. I'm
1: willing to bet they won't.
0: I know, but I still hope that they do. You know, I hope we fix global warming. Like, we're not <laughs> oh, gonna, no. but I hope that we do.
1: <laughs> it's getting too real. Let's go back to talking about the thoughtsies bug. That's more <laughs> fixable.
0: Yeah, we can... We can... That's contained. Yeah. <laughs> we can bubble around that one and, and insulate ourselves from the consequences.
1: Can you can you explain the thoughtseize book for people who actually just don't know what it is?
0: Uh it seems to be if you Thoughtseize your opponent and then like mouse over their hand in a certain way, it makes one of their cards unclickable and unseeable. So
1: Yeah, because you know basically when you know how Arena like zooms in on the card whenever you hover over it so you can read it, right? If you do that on a hand you're looking at, it like brings the card a little closer to the front to your mouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you hover over more than one card too fast, it'll try to like bring both of them up, and one of them just vanishes. So if you're doing that when you're Thought season and a card vanishes, you can just no longer take that card.
0: Yep. Not
1: great. In fact, it's pretty poor and one of the best cards in your format.
0: Ooh, I know a way to fix this. You could ban Thought season Historic. I mean, I'm on board,
1: but that's not for the people.
0: Well, it is for the people. It would improve the form. I think it would, like, immediately and tangibly improve the format. I mean, I think
1: we should remove Uro's giant animation that takes, like, six years to complete, but they're not going to do that either.
0: <laughs> yeah, probably. Doesn't it take time off of your opponent's clock to do that when you cast the arrow? Like it, I think it, it, it depends on who uses has priority. the other person's clock. I,
1: am honestly, not too sure because clock management arena is a mystery to me. I just jam my cards and hope it works out. And sometimes I have no idea why I have no time.
0: You should also only get the animation when you're escaping it.
1: <laughs> I think you should never get the animation, but whatever.
0: <laughs> but like, even as is, like you, if we're gonna have the animation, you definitely shouldn't get it when you're casting Explore, gain three life. Like, that's not it, it, not an epic enough game moment to merit this animation. Bring it
1: back from God with Godfrey's gift just to draw a card.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he just like splashes his impotent rage all over the battlefields and then is exiled forever. Yep. Mm-hmm.
1: Do we have anything more to talk about with the standard? Do you want to go to historic? Is there like another standard deck?
0: Um, well, I want to take a quick look at this esper doom list just just to see so this is matt Gatilla's esper doom list oh yeah he has tilted it i don't oh, like this list
1: goodness. Yeah. there are four confounding conundrums in this deck list
0: yeah and that is he says he's tilted it for the like team or ramp matchup but i don't think that's actually a solution to that matchup yeah uh, they
1: have creatures in their deck they can just play one land turn and attack you with them
0: yeah every time that i've had confounded conundrum in a yorian deck it's just been by far the worst card in my deck and i just have been upset to draw it every time it honestly and is, i can't imagine it's different now it's
1: honestly probably worse than Golden Egg because gold Egg at least gains you life and fixes your mana which both of which have been relevant for me a lot yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, to cast the turn 3 Skyclave Evaporation in your 3-color deck, like you crack Golden Egg a reasonable amount of time to do that.
1: Yeah, and when you don't have to, you can leverage your extra 3 life by mm-hmm. you know being greedy one turn, taking a little extra damage.
0: Right, and also you can cast Golden Egg regardless of what lands you drew, and that's not true for Compounding Conundrum.
1: Yeah, and it also looks like Matt's deck has just infinite temples in it.
0: Which is a little concerning. Yeah, six temples or right, eight temples. Wow. Yeah, I'm not sure. And the whole point of Esper Doom has kind of mostly been to beat up on Gruel, which my gut going into this weekend would be to not be treating Gruel as enemy number one anymore. Um, so this is probably not the direction that I would take. But I have not extensively tested Standard either. So
1: yeah, I don't. I don't mind like soft targeting Gruel. Because mm-hmm. I think it's still a good deck and people are probably underrating it. But sure. Esper Doom for Tull to me is kind of hard targeting Gruel. Right. It's and not putting Confounding Conundrum
0: into your Esper Doom deck, I think then softens your matchup against Gruel without giving you like tangible rewards elsewhere. Yeah, it,
1: it does. Though so, I mean, hey, it gets brush for elementals, kind of. Not really.
0: Just give them an extra landfall trigger eventually. Well
1: yeah that's not great (laughs) yeah there's Um, there's just gotta be something better if you want to like soft target gruel honestly just play like on a green that matchup's like close to five or good
0: play wicked wolves and you're like halfway there so yeah all right well that was a solid like almost hour talking about standards so i think we we successfully focused on standard for this episode okay you want to
1: halfway look at some historic lists?
0: Just just half-ass this tour of historic.
1: <laughs> I mean, we could start off with the the premiere deck we were talking about last week, goblins.
0: Yeah i I would not be surprised if goblins is the winningest deck in this tournament. I think people aren't taking it as seriously as they should.
1: Which is weird, considering the number of graph diggers cages everywhere.
0: Yeah, I mean that that's true. There are a lot of graph diggers cages, but Digger's Cage just means, like, you spent a card, and now they have to do their plan B, which is really good enough to have a whole deck built around it anyways, and they can just crank you to death, and you spent a card. Yeah,
1: I'm, I'm looking at Dylan's list. Dylan Donegan just submitted kind of stock goblins. Yep. Uh, there's a bunch of Herald's horns in, in the sideboard. Right. I had to look up that card because I didn't know what it was. Uh, apparently it just didn't exist before a commander set, so that explains that. Right. And it's like a weird medallion for creature type you pick,
0: and then it yeah, and it came in in like a historic anthology. It's I, a jumpstart. Oh, it's a jumpstart. Okay. Oh, that's right, because they reprinted it because it was so expensive, so they had to get it into another set. It's
1: like a ten dollar uncommon. Yeah. But it, it draws your it, it's like an artifact that draws cards if you if the top card protects a Goblin. It's it's mm-hmm. kind of neat. Though honestly, does the sideward and goblins matter a huge amount? As long as you've got some upgrades and your and uh mirror hate, you're you're good to go.
0: Yeah, probably. Um yeah, goblins just strong. And and I mean one thing that I like that Dylan's list has adopted is and, and I think is pretty stock now, is a couple of Chandra's main deck. Yeah, it's too. it's really stock. I always play against Chandra's nowadays. Yeah. But just Just so people are aware of of what's going on in the deck now, like Chandra is just solid juke. If they do have like a game one hate piece or whatever, like you can just kill them with a Planeswalker and it also just ramps you to Muxus and also acts as a removal spell if your opponent is doing something that stops you. So good
1: card. Yeah, that's Goblins. It's a great deck. It's probably going to do well in the tournament. Mm hmm. Also, um, to do well in the tournament, I think is going to be the four color bid range, which is the Sultai control deck with your uh, not Yorian, with uh, Yasharn, the pig. Yep. Uh, if you watched the last Premier Arena historic tournament, this card was all over it. Because that's like the weekend four color mid range emerged to battle with the sacrifice decks. And it's still pretty much the same exact same deck.
0: Yep. I mean, Thoughtseize into Uro. Like, you can't go wrong with that particular combination because it's two super busted cards that work very well together. Crow Spirals, Nissa's, Hydra and some Interaction. Uh, lots of Extinction Events here in Cedric's list, which I like a lot.
1: Extinction Event's kind of like the best Black Sweeper that's been printed other than Damnation.
0: Yeah, and in a lot of matchups, like in the Sacrifice matchup, I would rather have Extinction Event. Yeah,
1: for sure. Oh. So- Yasharn really. This is the only white yeah. card in the deck, and Yasharn yep. is just so, so strong against Sacrifice. Right, there's, decks.
0: there's a Planes in this deck. Like, that's how good Yasharn is.
1: Yeah, Well, the, the Planes is to grab Yasharn with Yasharn.
0: The Planes is to get with Fabled Passage. Like, if you only get one land off of your Yasharn, you're pretty okay with
1: that. But optimally, you cast it off one of your Triomes and then grab um, the Planes. Yeah. That extra card value.
0: I think you try to avoid having that Planes in play if, if you can possibly avoid it. Oh yeah,
1: for sure. It's not a good... It doesn't... It only taps for mana for one of your cards.
0: <laughs> and it also... You know, you've got a card that costs green, green, blue, blue in your deck and Nyssa wants you to max your forests in play. Like Planes is a huge liability for this deck. You
1: basically can't play the Planes turns 1 through 4 because you also need Black Thoughtseize. Mm-hmm. And Unless you're playing sharn in turn 4 or turn 3 with Growth Grithwell.
0: Keep in mind that you are allowed to sideboard out lands, and if you take your Yasharns out in a matchup, take the planes out. If you're playing this deck, there's no reason to keep that planes in.
1: Unless you just have the Bob Ross one that just came out and you just really like it.
0: <laughs> yeah, but you don't even like that one. No, not me
1: personally, but you know, art is subjective.
0: Sure. Uh, check out this one of Doom Whisperer in Cedric's sideboard. I was looking
1: at that, and I have no idea what to make of it.
0: it. I have no explanation. I assume... Well, people are asking about it, but nobody is answering the questions. I'm ticking through the matchups in Historic in my head. There's no, I don't want Doom Whisperer in my deck against any of them. <laughs> I don't want it against Goblins. I don't want it against Sacrifice. I don't want it in the Mirror... I maybe against mono red. I in standard. It was good against mono red. I mean, sure, but I don't know if that holds for historic. I wouldn't, I can't imagine spending a sideboard slot on this card. I would love to hear Cedric's explanation.
1: Doom whisperer was also before Uro was in standard and Uro right. like, <laughs> does that by itself. I guess doom whisperer finds your Uro pretty effectively. I mean, how much life are you really affording to pay?
0: <laughs> I mean, how how many cards do you have to mill before you hit the <laughs> like? I guess maybe that is it when your life total isn't under pressure in a matchup, but you want to hit your euros, and maybe you need to hit multiple of them for whatever reason. I guess. But that you could also be a way
1: want of... to play a five mana sorcery speed card before so doing so.
0: Well, it's a threat too i don't have a great explanation for this i i
1: would love any reason why because it just doesn't seem very good against anything to me
0: no i don't love
1: it like there's only three shark typhoons in the sideboard, which is an incredible card and Mm -hmm. honestly i could just see that doom whisperer being a shark typhoon if i you know didn't have it in mind for any specific matchup
0: my guess is that this must be for the mirror because it does two things, which is it mills you to find your Uro if you haven't found one yet. Uh, in a matchup where your life total isn't really under pressure until Nyssa comes into play. And it also insulates you to some extent from Nyssa. If you land a Doom Whisperer, they can't play a Nyssa unless they also can kill the Doom Whisperer on the turn they play the Nyssa. And it doesn't die to Fatal Push or Eliminate or Aether Gust. So, you know.
1: Those are those are like the only
0: rule spells in this deck, so. Right. right.
1: Yeah, if it's your. So it might tech just like kind of
0: dodge around enough stuff to be fine, but it certainly is kind of a deep cut. We we are spending a lot of time talking about one of sideboard card, but you know.
1: Well, you can skip ahead to the next deck if you want. You want to talking about Rock Sacrifice. That's like the hot stuff in historic.
0: Yeah, yeah. So here we are looking at Michael Bonday's list. Super, super clean. You know, I love these lists that when you look at them, they're just, like, really condensed because they have, like, a bunch of basics and all of the spells are four ofs, so the deck looks super small.
1: Yes, you can actually see it in Magic Arena's terrible deck viewing area. (laughs) Yeah, we kind of talked about this last week. It's just probably the best Sacrifice deck on the market. Uh, I know Brian and Jerry just did an entire podcast about it.
0: Which honestly probably makes it the best Sacrifice deck in the history of magic like this might just be it this might be the best sacrifice deck we've ever had
1: yeah sure i can believe
0: that like this is the deck that has stitcher supplier priest of forgotten gods cat oven claim the firstborn mayhem devil like these are really good cards yeah and there's not a lot of competition among sacrifice decks right the only
1: cards that compete with that are like falconrath aristocrat goblin bombardment
0: right yeah, none of the, like, I don't know that any Goblin bombardment deck really counts in this way, you know? Yeah, because
1: Goblin Bobarbon's really a combo
0: engine. Right, right. Only one Frexian Tower in this list from Michael.
1: One one Frexian Tower is the optimal amount to never draw a second copy.
0: It's true. It's very true. It is interesting. But just... I, I would
1: expect a second if you're playing three Chandra's. It's a lot of Chandra's to be getting a chandra out early is really good sometimes
0: yeah like turn one stitcher supplier turn two anything turn three sacrifice the stitcher supplier to put a chandra into play um i guess the like you can't have played any of your six swamps or two castle lock lanes alongside the tower in order to do that with the chandra and on also fable passage like you'd have to skip your turn two in order to fetch the mountain so it might just be that you don't really have enough red mana to make that super reliable to do.
1: Yeah, that's fair. I can see that. And just drawing two is pretty bad, so going down to one, just having the utility seems
0: fine. Yeah. Like I I I would definitely start with two, but I can trust Michael's judgment on this sort of thing, so. I also like and appreciate the uh number of lists that I've seen with three cauldron familiars in it. Cause like you always want one, but the second one never the, the second one doesn't do anything. And with Stitcher Supplier, it's pretty easy to find one most games. So I wonder what the Angraths are for. There's
1: Angrath, the uh the Exelon one, in the sideboard. Hmm. I
0: mean, more threatens. Like it's the only it's the like closest to a playable threaten five and six after Claim the Firstborn. What is its plus? It's just like a Discarding? It's like a discarding thing. I think this is probably a card for Sultai that Ooh, yeah. lets you steal Yasharn's and Uro's and kill them that turn, probably. Although, I guess stealing Yasharn isn't great because that stops that still stops you from sacrificing stuff. But, you know, he, he does have the three main deck Chandra's that will stay there for killing Yasharn's and if you had an aggressive start, then maybe stealing the Asharn is good enough, but having extra threatens against Uro is probably really what this what the point of this thing is. Uh,
1: compared to Jun Sacrifice by Mitch. What's got it's kind of the same. I don't like this version. I, I talked about this last time. It's it's got collected company in it, as well as uh, that's kind of it. the only green card. You're just playing a bunch of Shocklands to have
0: Collected Company and Dreadhorde Butcher, which is a card I really dislike. <laughs> right. Like, this is the Collected Company version, not the Trail of Crumb's Goose version. And yeah, Collected Company, when your deck also has a bunch of, like, cauldron familiar. Like, there's technically 25 hits in this deck, but four of them are cauldron familiars, and, like, one is a Scrap Heap Scrounger. But
1: basically, and also, it's just not as clean as the Rockdose deck. Like, the Rockdose deck isn't playing Dreadhorde Butcher, despite that it can always cast it, like, all the mm-hmm. time. It's just right. not that good of a card. Yeah. And there's just four
0: in this deck. Right. Because you need a two that's, like, an acceptable hit off of Collected Company, where, like, Scrap Heap Scrounger, like, kind of isn't. Because it's too late in the game for Sc- Scrap Heap Scrounger to be at its most effective. It's also too late in the game for Dreadhorde Butcher to be particularly effective, except as a creature that you're sacrificing.
1: I mean, it's just so underwhelming. I I don't know why people continue playing these Jun Sacrifice decks when the Rakdos ones are right there. They're right there. You don't even need to have any extra cards for them.
0: I mean, if I'm gonna play three colors, I'm gonna play Jun Sacrifice like. I'm going to be playing a very different deck than this. I'm not going to be playing Collected Company. I'm going to be playing like Goose. Gilded Goose and I'm going to be playing Corvald. Like like I'm going to be playing like big heavy hitters because I think those are good. That would be the reason to switch to three colors. And I I don't think that that stuff is good enough right now in a like Uro Muxus meta game. Yeah, if the point it gets some like, point it
1: would be. Made rangeier than Corvald is and trail of crumbs are a good place to like stand on top of that or try to mm-hmm. but collected company in this economy
0: is just not yeah I- i'm not excited about it for sure i mean you can play collected company if you're going to play mono green aggro i think your companies are closer to playable yeah actually you're... just significantly better in this deck. You're trying to kill them yeah
1: and mono green aggro is just, you know, also a land of stack. deck. So. Yeah.
0: Oh, this is this Doomwake deck actually is not quite mono green aggro. We got some black man in there for Scrap Scrapheap Scrounger and Rotting Regisaur. And that is, you know, those are some good collected companies at that point oh. when you got a 7 6 to get off of it.
1: Okay. So we're, you know, taking a page out of the old Pioneer Stompy decks where you just mm-hmm. company into Steel Leaf Champion and Rotting Regisaur.
0: Yeah, I mean, this deck is clean. I actually kind of love this deck as far as any like mono green stompy kind of deck goes. I can only be so excited about them, but this has a lot of tools and scavenging use and scrapping scrounger like really solve the two drop problem. Like those are both pretty decent two drops that we haven't. There's been a hole there.
1: I, I also really like Ronus in this deck because not only does Ronus turn on like the Great hinge. Mm-hmm. But it also gives you something you can collect a company into that's immune to wrath because you can follow it up with a big creature and then, you know, get the haste damage mm-hmm. in with the Ronus. Yeah. So it it's still a legendary creature that can't do anything by itself, so it's not fantastic, but I do like the inclusion in Devin's deck here.
0: Yeah, this is an awesome Great Henge deck. Riding Regisaur, Kazandu Mammoth, Steel Leaf Champion, and as you said, Ronus is indestructible and is a always a creature, so. Yeah, and, That's kind of sick. And
1: Wrath of God is one of the premier sweepers in Historic. It's not just Extinction Event, though Extinction Event is exceptional against this particular deck.
0: Yeah, that is a rough one. Extinction Event Odd is tough to beat.
1: Yeah, and I, I was looking at Doomwake's sideboard for the Soul Time matchup, and it's just a bunch of Thought seasons. It's pretty much looks like the answer which is uh, yeah probably... and against the
0: uro deck that's not what i'm excited about yeah so and uro is what beats you out of a deck like this you know mm-hmm. and That had an extinction <laughs> right right, right. <laughs> but it, it's it's just the like interact 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 here's what i've got left it's an uro out of my graveyard that didn't cost me a card drew me a card
1: I wonder what the matchup spread for, uh, like, Golgari Stompy is, because it's, I can't see it beating the, the Euro decks. Yeah. It can probably beat up on some Sacrifice decks. any decks that's slow and doesn't have Extinction Event, you're just going to crush, mm-hmm. I think.
0: Yeah, I think this is really good against the Sacrifice decks. That, I would not want to play against this. With any of those like shenanigans decks, this just comes out too fast and hits too hard. And also, if it lands, the great henge is just gonna keep making crazy threats that you can't really deal with. Um, your only hope is to like draw multiple claim the firstborns. Really, I want to move on to aspiring spikes band control deck
1: because that's a mm-hmm. wrath of god deck. Uh, though it does have settle the wreckage, it's got like the the blue white control elements to your hero of dominaria with getting of the Trials and Pact of Negation. Like, those three yeah, I cards... Think,
0: I think you're burying the lead here on this deck. Why? This is the four Tails' End Bant Control deck.
1: It's because I don't really know that much about Tails' End. Like, I'm told <laughs> by Aspiring Spike that it's an efficient 2 counter spell that pairs with Teferi well, but <laughs> I'm not even sure that that is, like... I have to take a look at the format because is it a really a two mana card spell? It only counters
0: legendary things and triggers and activated abilities. Sure. So I I think yeah, I would definitely not have gotten here <laughs> to four tails ends, but like that's a statement that he's willing to do that. You know, in a pinch, you can use it on your own uro to just have a five mana uro, and that's kind of neat. And you can also, if you have to, if you're in like a real pinch, you can use on your Pact trigger on your upkeep, uh, you know, not <laughs> a deal, not, you not what you're aiming for. Uh,
1: that's probably uh, the build your own force of will.
0: Yeah. What you can do, like, it, it certainly, it counters Planeswalkers, it counters Uros, not great against the Sacrifice decks. You know, you may may be able to counter like a key trigger or something here or there, but... I think you use it on the first trigger you find. Yeah. Just counter that priest trigger and maybe that's good. Uh, I mean, it could be. You might get there.
1: I mean, it does prevent... Like, it's worth two cards then, right?
0: Right. Like, it it certainly is like, worth doing. I mean, it counters Muxus, which is the card that will beat you out... Like, you can beat the rest of the cards out of goblins pretty easily. So having a a two-mana card that counters Muxus is good. And if the main threats that somebody would cast after you cast Teferi are like planeswalkers or Muxus or whatever, like that's a pretty solid combo. Teferi, plus, untap, pass, like, Muxus is covered. I'm safe. That's I am into that, if that if that is the way the format is, certainly.
1: And also I will point out that this deck has is a Bant deck. I know a lot of people have been playing Blue Way Control. I see it on the ladder occasionally. There's just no reason not to play Uro.
0: <laughs> no. Plus, <laughs> don't cut yourself off from playing Uro. Growth Spiral Jeez. is also a
1: huge, huge upgrade. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: I don't know why
1: Aspiring Spike has a couple of Lotus Fields in his deck. For the Tail Zen combo.
0: Is that worth it? I mean, that's the only reason to put Lotus Field in your deck, certainly. Okay. Sure. It's good with Teferi as well,
1: though mm-hmm. you don't really cast... The only thing you're really casting in your opponent's turn like that is
0: Shark Typhoon. Shark
1: Typhoon.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is a really tap outy version of this sort of thing. I mean, there's a couple of settle, settle the Wreckages, but Tail's End is mostly like, this is a card that I keep up after I cast Teferi or Nissa, and I... Just have a lot of kind of ramp and Narsets, and Pact of Negation is one of my main pieces of interaction, and you know, Wrath of Gods. So, and, and yeah, just specific pieces of instant speed interaction that you can do on your Planeswalker turns. I mean, this deck is really sweet. I, I would be, I, I, I should try this.
1: Yeah, I think this deck is really well built, which doesn't surprise me. I think Spartan Strike's a really good deck builder. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just really want to know, I'm curious to see, I hope it's on camera because I want to see it played out basically. Yeah, yeah, same.
0: I would love to see it. Yeah, and this color combo also gives you access to Yasharns out of the sideboard, which blue-white doesn't have.
1: Adding green to decks that were white in 2020 is a good way to go. It's just it's just great.
0: Yep. Your arrows are worse by quite a bit than Sultai's arrows.
1: Well, yeah, you're, you don't play spells in this type of deck. You're, you're playing, like, mostly Planeswalkers.
0: Yeah, this is a... 11 and it's an 11 planeswalker list
1: with more with your shards in the board which is a creature you don't really want to go to the graveyard either right do you want to talk about this soul time mid-range deck it's mostly just four color or but or four color yeah four color a row. but you're taking oh yeah i just Yasharns i did just casualties. want to point out
0: that this list uh is built for the mirror with casualties of war in it, which is like a, a, a nice way to tech if you think that's what's happening in the format. But I think it's still not time to put down your shards in order to do stuff like that.
1: I also want to point out that I think casualties of war has always been unplayable. <laughs> <laughs> like, this isn't a metagame where people are routinely playing Aethergust. Yeah. like uh, Casualties of war is not that good. <laughs> I've been Casualties of War and played a Hydroid crisis and won the game. Like, it's just not that good.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I mostly agree. I, I definitely don't think it's quite good enough for this format.
1: I bought the hype one weekend when everyone was going crazy about it, and I don't remember what deck it was. Some standard deck. And it's the card I regret purchasing the most of any card. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the only time that I was happy to have it, was wishing for it in a fires deck. Yeah, but you That's don't have
1: all. to play a black, black, green, green
0: cost. You're, right. you're golden. Right. uh We got Ben Stark's rogues list. Only historic cards, fatal pushes, and thought seasons in the main deck. The rest is a rogues deck, maybe. We'll see.
1: We kind of talked about this one already. It's interesting. Yeah.
0: It's just too. I mean, the the three main deck cling to dusts are an acknowledgement of Uro's existence, but I think by Playing by registering this deck you're pretending that arrow doesn't exist in reality yes
1: ooh the other deck list you pulled is a Kethis deck
0: nice oh yeah and that is uh ishimira's list yeah
1: okay so no, you know yasharn's in the main deck but they're in the sideboard
0: okay mm-hmm. so my main problem with this deck is that it really leans into getting just demolished by graft digger's cage yep
1: Yep, there's like nothing you can do about it either.
0: Right. And it's it just like, you know, this is this is just him saying like, I bet I won't run into Graftiger's cage because like Uro is the the backup plan for this deck or the, just the alternate way of like grinding out some stuff and then getting to your combo. Uh emery is the the way that you like leverage resources until you've put them together. Like no part of this deck works if there's a Digger's Cage in play. So, and the only answers to it are Urza's Ruinous Blast and then sideboard Vraska Golgari Queen. So there's
1: actually one way to beat Digger's Cage. The only way I actually ever beat Digger's Cage because Vraska and uh, Ruinous Blast are really slow. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's actually just to make an Uro with Lazav and kill them. Oh, sure. But that's the only way. And honestly, Uro's so strong
0: that that just works some of the time. But that's yeah, kind of the sure. only way you do it. And you can, like, do that relatively quickly. Like, if you play a turn 2 Excavator, mill an Uro, make Lazav into an Uro, like...
1: Yeah, you, you can know, attack with Uro quick. on turn 4, Uro slash Lazav on turn 4 pretty regularly.
0: Yeah. You can even do it on turn 3. If you go turn 2 Lazav, like, either flip an Uro with Lazav or turn 2, like, Excavator, mocks and then... Or no, because you you have to pay three mana to copy the arrow, right? Yeah. yeah. So technically, you can do a turn three if you get extraordinarily lucky,
1: extraordinarily skilled.
0: Yes, that's what I meant to say.
1: Yeah, if you, if Riser cared about beating digger's Cage instead of just like hoping that he won't be playing against it very much, more against like the sacrifice decks stuff like that. Uh, I I bet there'd be a bunch of Vraskas in the main deck rather than the sideboard.
0: Yeah. And when I played this in standard, there were points where I just had multiple Vraskas in the main deck because people were playing various things that it just like shored up. I don't even remember what they were, but at at points I was happy to have a Vraska or two in the main deck.
1: Yeah, it's a little rougher in historic because you're not allowed to play Teferi Time Raveler, (laughs) Mm. which was the previous catch all for this deck.
0: Right, right but you do get a way better emery package
1: yeah with chromatic sphere like one of the yeah. better emery cards and aether so yeah. long as well protects right creatures
0: and then that package makes uh tashar like way way better because you just have so many like yes you had lots of ways to trigger historic but these are historic triggers that cost like zero mana or zero cards and you have a bunch of them and that's that's really neat
1: yeah mox amber and chromatic sphere both essentially cost zero not really for chromatic sphere but cycling it often costs zero mana
0: mm-hmm. yeah i mean if you chromatic sphere and return a mox amber yeah oh wait Teshar brings back creatures i don't even remember the text of all of these cards wait, anymore. Teshar but...
1: only brings back creatures
0: yeah it yep. costs three or less right anyways like this deck is super sweet and like has a lot of, like, cute little packages that work together very, very, very well. But the problem is just that the preeminent hate card in the format just shuts you down pretty hard.
1: What was Riser playing in Standard? The sweet, the weird uh,
0: control deck, right? The really weird Demure list, yeah. Alright, I gotta cheer for him, because I love basic this. I mean, always cheer for Riser. Like, some of these Japanese guys just... We don't always know exactly who they are, you know you've got your like pantheon of japanese players who are like very easily recognizable but then some of the ones who are extraordinarily skilled and have also had a lot of accomplishments i mean ishimura has two pt top eights like this dude's good at magic so i I hope that these decks work me too
1: especially the standard one which i'm a little more skeptical about because honestly the base plan of the historic deck is is actually very good like you're just sure. a combo deck with every like a bunch of card advantage and Uro as backup plan. Right, right. You just can't link against Graftegus Cage. So if you don't play against that, you should be fine. But the the standard one looks like I, I don't
0: even know how to evaluate it really. <laughs> I also the one of the common features of like both of these very different versions of the Demir Control decks and that I've seen in a lot of the lists is the one lock serpent it's just not a good i like every time i drew it when i was trying the list it was just like what the hell is this card doing in my deck
1: you just hate it because it blew you out unlimited against your naya opponent
0: yeah, it blew me out and Limited against my Naya opponent, and then it just, like, shows up in my hand, and there's no way for me to cast it without losing the game immediately.
1: Yeah, it just does seem a lot worse than Shark Deck, but a lot of the time when you draw it.
0: Right? Right? <laughs> I don't understand it. And especially, like, you kind of have to take it out post-board in, like, half of your matchups, because you can't get your six-mana spell Mystical disputed.
1: I, I guess it's also... Wait, your Servant has to exile cards from your opponent's graveyard, right? Not your graveyard?
0: Yes, so it functions as graveyard hate in a weird way, but it doesn't do the get like turn off their drown in the locks thing that your escape cards do. Yeah, okay, so that's really weird. It's very weird. It's such a weird card and I have to reread it every time that it's involved in a game because I don't remember exactly what each of the abilities do.
1: Oh, I know that I never expect it and it blocks my biggest creature and it dies because it's Mm 7-7 for 6 mana and then i usually kill the creature with like a doom blade or whatever yeah because it has no inherent or... protection
0: <laughs> right and like it can come back and stuff but it's just it costs so much mana i yeah i hate this card i can't get behind it i'm sorry yeah anyways that was our tour through the Tweety tweeted lists of the zendikar rising championship
1: Nice. We spent more time on
0: Standard because
1: we hadn't talked about that in a while. Mm-hmm. Historic's pretty much the same.
0: Yeah. I hope Kethys takes it down.
1: Me too. That'd be great. Or if we get some sweet Godbear's Gift decks, I'm always a sucker for those as well.
0: Yes. I don't think that they will be a thing. I just like haven't found a way to make it powerful enough. Yeah.
1: I mean, Mono Black Gifts does pop up in mm-hmm. top eights every now and then. Also, Piper just got 10th. I think she was top 16 at the SCG with blue. Well, Kids. top
0: 12, because the, they cut to top 12 and they played uh, uh like pre quarterfinals, a, a play in round. I, th- I think she got 10th. But it, yeah, it, I think that's it, right. regardless.
1: That's a fine result. Like I'm more interested in, I don't I don't think Standard will have any big shakeups. I think the amount of games pretty much defined there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the gameplay is going to be more interesting than historic but I'm more interested in seeing the historic deck lists because I'm hoping mm-hmm. something interesting will pop up
0: yeah we will see uh, if you are going to play this Kethys list on ladder may I recommend a main deck Jace in it because it just makes your job a lot easier if you're going to play a bunch of matches with it
1: um, you could recommend that but
0: I, I don't need it it's fine Oh, not to you, but to the people generally. (laughs) Like, I know that you're fine with it, but honestly, like, when I was laddering with Kethis in Standard, having the Jace in the deck just cut, like, several minutes off of every game. Because what would happen is I would start comboing, I would clearly have it, and then my, like, opponents like to wait for something. Like, some sort of, like, trigger that's, like, I mean, I knew I was dead this whole time, but, like, yeah, I guess I, like, got a scoop to that. And when you mill the Jace, then they're just like, okay, that's it. That's
1: the one. <laughs> that's what I have to scoop to.
0: Yep. And, unfortunately, it does have to be Jace and not Thassa's Oracle. But it means that when you draw the card, naturally, it actually does something instead of Nothing. being
1: a 1-3. Yeah. You have enough one threes in this deck already. We don't need any more.
0: <laughs> it is the one 3 is deck of all time. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't really have anything else to say about either Standard or Historic right now. No, I think I'm set. I'll I'll be watching this weekend because I
1: don't really have anything else going on. I have
0: so many Twitter tabs open right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I'm going to look through the Patreon questions real quick. I don't know if you
0: saw one that tickled your fancy. Oh, I, I did, actually. Ooh, what was it? I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was the one where somebody was asking me about my house so i can just take a minute because i don't know how much of this tournament i will be able to watch this weekend because i am closing on my house on thursday and then i'm going to start working on it this weekend but let's see who asked the question so i can have an excuse to talk about my house i think it was farak farak asks ccr what helped you decide on your house what are you looking forward to slash worried about as a homeowner I'm just gonna answer this question, even though probably only like m- myself and Farrakh and a handful of listeners over thirty actually want to know anything about this. But I, uh, know. I, d- <laughs> I did just buy a house. We close on Thursday, and I am pretty excited about it. It is a super weird house that is in kind of two parts. There's a main house, and then there's an apartment that's attached to it but has its own laundry and kitchen. And this works out weirdly well for me because my younger sister uh, is living in an apartment is living in an apartment in Durham right now and they have a pretty bad mold problem. And so she has been trying to get out of that apartment for a while and, and find a place to live that's a little bit safer for her. So I'm pretty excited to be able to like give my sister a really good deal on a place to live and not have to deal with shitty landlords or mold anymore. So that's part of the equation here that made this house like right for me. Uh, But the house is just laid out pretty nicely. And I am excited to have a space that is entirely my own that I can just kind of like transform the way that I want it to. I'm going to turn a room entirely into a Uh, recording studio slash like maybe streaming space and there's just no reason that i can't devote the smallest bedroom to being that because it's my house and i can do whatever the hell i want with it good censoring yourself (laughs) (laughs) i am excited to put up a bunch of bookshelves and move all my books in are you gonna have have them all
1: shelves just like all over the house because that's kind of how i feel like your house would be
0: Yes, that is actually legitimately my plan. And I've been trying to think of like where each. So I'm going to have a couple of different bookshelves for different things. Uh, I'm going to have a bookshelf that is all Star Wars novels because I already have a bookshelf that's all Star Wars <laughs> novels. Uh, you just take I ex- that one and just throw it in there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I am also excited to what I really what really like gets me kind of happy to think about is I'm going to have a nice bookshelf kind of just in the middle of not in the middle of the living room, but in a central wall spot in the living room that is just like books that hit my like top 1% basically just all of my very favorite books. And cause one thing that I like to do is like give people books that I think are really good and that, they that my friends would like and so i'm really excited to have just a shelf full of really good books that when somebody when i'm hanging out with somebody and i'm like oh like i just thought of this book here take this copy of it off of my shelf the one percent shelf yeah the one percent shelf and i'm like i'll you know get a replacement or whatever but yeah i there's like just a lot of cool things that i'm excited to do with my own space that i'm just never Like I can mount a whiteboard on the wall and not worry about my security deposit and stuff like that. I can paint however I want it. I can wire it the way that I want it to. Like I'm going to put in some pretty, I'm very lucky. My dad is an electrician, so we're going to, the house is kind of old. Got to replace a lot of the devices. A lot of the old outlets need to become new outlets, but I'm going to put in a pretty robust network setup so that it is very easy to have fiber throughout the house. And yeah, I'm just excited to have my own space that I can just turn into the place that I want it to be and like have it be built around the things that are important to me, which are mostly books and being able to make magic content with my friends.
1: Yeah it's cool. I'm yeah. I've told you before, but if you need any help with stuff that I can help with, just let me know.
0: I am not going to ask you to help me move stuff because that sucks, but I'm sure that there will be things that I need some amount of help with. The house needs a fair amount of work, but a lot of that is we got to get contractors in there. There's a little bit of foundation work that needs to be done. A little bit of work on the chimneys. Like it's an older house. These are not things I'm going to be asking you for help. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not a professional (laughs) contractor in that way. (laughs) Oh, there's a, There's a shed, but it's like a real shed. It's like on a concrete slab and it is like actually constructed out of two by fours and siding and stuff. And I I'm just going to put a full on gym in there and I'm like very excited to just have a whole gym at my place. That actually sounds pretty nice. (laughs) Yeah. And then I never have to get anybody's covid and can still actually like lift weights. And I an ideal combination, in my opinion.
1: Yes. Hopefully, I mean, this is going to be a long-term project for you anyway. I'm sure you'll be working on this house after COVID has passed, you know, in like I'm, six
0: years. I'm going to be working on this house for the rest of my life, yeah. I believe. <laughs> but like, like that's a project I'm actually pretty excited about. So, And I, I think I'm going to make some like videos showing the progress and stuff. And so hopefully I can share that with, with all of y'all um, who actually care about this and haven't just like ended the episode already. So if you're still listening... You are interested in this house at all, which, you know, my plan is just to turn this into a very cozy, comfortable, like nerd paradise kind of place.
1: It's going to be your paradise.
0: Yeah, like my specific paradise. And, you know, if you don't like it, then that's OK. Then you don't have to watch the fun. videos
1: that everyone else will be watching. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, I, I am excited and I'm nervous, obviously, but I'm also pretty excited about this.
1: I can't wait to see it, honestly.
0: Yeah, it'll be good. It'll be a good space to do our stuff in. I'm, I'm really excited for that. Cool.
1: Cool. Yeah. I'm glad you got to answer that question as an excuse to talk about your house. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's the, all it was. Michael, thank you for asking that question. I appreciate the opportunity you've given me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> just goes to show we don't make up questions in our Discord. We just ask people to... We just pick the ones we want.
0: The convenient ones, yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Cool. Well, thanks everybody so much for listening. Thanks everybody who stuck around through that. I know that I am much more excited about this than anybody else in the world is, obviously, because it's my house. I am slightly less excited, but still excited to watch the uh, Zendikar Rising Championship this weekend. So hopefully we will have some interesting games to talk about then. If you want to find us on social media, I am tweeting from at ccr underscore grindcast lee is also on twitter i'm at lee mcleo if you want to lend us some support head over to patreon.com mdg grindcast we really appreciate the help and that's really it for us thanks so much for listening and have a great week bye